Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right. From the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, your community radio station, we have a great program for you today. Check this out. We have a great show for you today. Do remember, we are in fun drive right now, but you are still getting yourself a great program uh, that we work at putting together for you. Stuff that you, some that you may know on a small level, some that you may not know at all. That's why we're here. Politics Done Right, KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston. We're asking you to invest in this community radio station. But why? Because, folks, there's a lot of media out there. But it's not media that you control. It's not media that has your interests at hand. When we're talking about community radio, when we're talking about this community radio station, KPFT 90.1 FM, we're talking about a station that is solely funded by whom? You. And if it is funded by you, our loyalty is to you. Most other stations, commercial stations, they're funded by their advertisers and their advertiser needs to program you. And they need to have you in a particular modal. That is why our politics is so bad. Because we need you uninformed. Politics done right doesn't believe in that. Politics done right, KPFT 90.1 FM. Pacifica Network, we don't believe that. We believe that it is essential that you are in control. It is essential that you support us so that we can feed the ethos that we can give, we can enlighten with what is the absolute truth. In that light, I'm asking you to please call 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org and support us. You can support us with a $25 membership, a $40 membership, or you can get any one of our gifts that you find there. Please do this in the name of Politics Done Right. Also, remember that you can get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. 
pledge of $120. You can get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. That is in, that is to support our station. And all those books, I promise you, give you all that you need to have that conversation across the board to ensure, to help us make a better America. So please support us. Please support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Call 713-526-5738 or visit kpft.org. In the name of Politics Done Right, please select one of our books, several of our books, or one of our offers. We're here for you. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right. On YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds, KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support, that is there to provide what that nour- nourishment that we need. 713-526-5738. KPFT.org. Visit us online. Contribute online. KPFT. 90.1 FM. You can visit us at kpft.org. We have a great program for you today. Topics. Title one. Katie Porter points out these are Biden's bills. Progressives be clear. Two bills are no bills. Representative Katie Porter never disappoints as she explains the infrastructure bills. This is not the time for progressives to cave to failure. Title two. Tim Danahy, a real wealth tax, a simple alternative to the minimum tax that most will love. Radio show host Tim Danahy sent me a note that gave me pause. If we could make sure all Americans understand this, we could force the hands of politicians on the wealth tax. Title three, Linda Curtis, co-founder of the League of Independent Voters, wants a new coalition to force political change. Linda Curtis, co-founder of the League of Independent Voters of Texas, discusses the need for all Americans to come together beyond political parties to affect change. Folks, you can't have a better lineup than that, especially in these times. But you know what? Let's get busy. Look. Progressives need to continue to push to do what's needed for the American people. Let's listen to Katie Porter, and then we'll take it on the other side. Congresswoman, what are you going to do uh, Thursday? All along, Speaker Pelosi said you're going to have to link the two bills together. She's changed her tune. What are you going to do? How are you going to vote? 
Well, we can't decide how we're going to vote because we simply are not done with the negotiations. So I know this is it's difficult, it's challenging, um, it's, it's nerve-wracking for all of us, but this is Congress doing its job. The House here has done its work. We've marked up these bills. We've had debates in committee. We've put our offer on the table, which is an offer that will make sure that we have a strong and stable economy that's globally competitive for years to come. And so the goal now here is to get the Senate to begin to negotiate. And once they start negotiating, then we can move forward and take the both votes for the infrastructure bill and for the reconciliation bill. You've got a billion dollar package in hand. If you don't sign that, if you walk away from it, it could end up costing Democrats the midterms and the next presidential election, which costs a whole lot more than what's in this three and a half trillion dollar package. Well, let's remember that infrastructure alone is not going to give the job creation that we need to have an economic recovery. About 90% of those infrastructure jobs will go to men, and these are good, important, high-paying jobs, and I support them. But if we want to continue to govern and lead, and we want to continue to support President Biden, then we need to pass the agenda that he ran on. And that is an agenda that means two free years of community college. It's an agenda that supports child care. It's an agenda that recognizes the crisis that senior care and elder care, home and community-based care is creating in this country, and it's dealing with climate change, and particularly with younger voters. If we don't do something that is urgent and, and really necessary on climate change, I don't think we'll see younger voters get out to the polls at all, much less to support you know either party. So I, th- I think that we are doing the right thing here, which is we are in the crucible, we are having the conversations, the legislation is being negotiated, and that's how this process should work work. What we need to see is the Senate coming to the table with a bill that they are comfortable supporting. Where are their 50 votes? Because we have the votes in the House for both the reconciliation bill and the infrastructure package. The Senate needs to tell us where they are, and then we can negotiate and we'll get them both done. Let's be clear. Let's be very clear. Progressives must not get rolled here. Too often, remember, Donald Trump got more votes in 2020 than Hillary Clinton got in 2016. Where did those votes come from? We got a whole bunch of poor people to vote. We promised them it would be different. We got a whole lot of young people to vote. We promised them it would be different. We got a lot of non-voters to vote. We promised them it would be different. In other words, these are people that think it does. their vote doesn't matter. If we go along... And do not force the hands to make sure that the policies that are passed, not the policies in the infrastructure bill, the policies in the infrastructure bill always supports the same kind of people. A lot of men, a lot of people that will get good jobs and so forth, but the people who need to be built up continue to be the the antiseptic slaves in our society. It is time for us to stop that. It is time for us to reward those who actually do the work. It is time for us to reward everyone. These people came out and vote. So therefore, progressives should do one specific thing. Two bills or no bill. And you say, well, if we don't get any bill, we will lose, um, the, the Democrats will lose the Senate, House, and, every, and, and, and the presidency in 24. You're right. But if you just pass that one infrastructure bill that only protects that little mass of people, the same will occur. Everybody loses. 
So the, the thing about it is this. The only, the only leverage progressives have is, do you want us all to grow together or we all fall together? And I tell you what, falling together is a threat more so to those who don't want to fall than to those who have constantly fallen and fallen and fallen. Two bills or no bill? I have a special guest, guy that I really, really love. We go back a long time. Tim Danahy is the host of the Tim Danahy Show, a thought-provoking program that is currently on hiatus. We can't wait to get some form of that show back. He is a former board of director uh, member at the Coffee Party USA. While both Tim and I share the similar values, our differences usually lends itself to great discussion and enhancements of both our beliefs. Tim is one of my most ardent supporters. Tim Danahy, how are you doing today? I am doing well. It's it's a thrill to be on. You're a good man, and uh, uh, the country needs more people like you. Well, thank you, my brother. Let me tell you something. This morning, I'm going through my paperwork and not paperwork. And nobody does paperwork anymore. My stuff online and bing, my, my email rang. And it starts out this way. Dude, I was playing with wealth tax numbers on the back of scrap paper and wanted to spark some thoughts for you. But first, I want to make two statements. I'm not a credible source or economist. That's a false statement. I presume to get rid of the U.S. tax code in this little note. And I continued reading because I wasn't sure what you're going to talk about. So I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. First of all, will you please read the rest of what you sent me? I think it's prescient. Uh, I'm happy to do that, Egberto, uh, but I'm going to do it. It's more like a bullet point presentation, but I said that the U.S. household wealth in 2019 was $96 trillion, and in 2020, it was $130 trillion. Now, there's no test on this. We're not going to be asking, but it went up, you know, uh, increased by $34 trillion in one year. And then I, I also put in Jeff Bezos' net worth, wealth, it was $177 billion in 2019, $189 billion in 2020. It went up 12 billion. Um, and the U.S. federal budget is 4.9 trillion this year, 2021. And my contention was if we tax the wealth at 10% of the increase in wealth at 10% and the ending net wealth, what, a, what Bezos owns at 2%, we would have collected $6.2 trillion in taxes. And we'd have a $1.3 trillion surplus. Um, and, and just to get it down to a, a, a top 10 or 20% level, whatever, I don't know where this uh, economic slot occurs, but suppose someone made $100,000 in 2020 and uh, their household wealth was uh, 200,000. You have a house, you have property, maybe a little bit saved away. Um, and it was 170,000 the prior year and you had increase. What I'm trying to get to in all of this, uh, uh, Egberto, is um, the average household wealth tax would be 7,000, which is less than half of what the statutory income tax rate would be. Uh, Bezos, on the other hand, would pay a wealth tax of $5 billion. 
dollars, and he paid nothing. And so the difference, you know, Bezos would still have um, $182 billion instead of $182 He'd still be an incredibly wealthy man. Um, but instead, because we have an income tax, Bezos paid no money in 2020, effectively. And we have a, a trillion-dollar deficit in the United States. Um, I won't go any more because, you know, you can put up with about 30 seconds of numbers and then it starts to lose. But I, I'm hoping that, that it presents a concept maybe we should be considering a little bit more actively than than, than we have. Okay, let me let me just uh, uh, tax, take that one step further. That is what we do on that first year. But what you what's interesting is what you're talking about is every year you tax the increase in wealth. You didn't you didn't say you tax uh, all wealth. You said you tax the increase in wealth. Did I understand that correctly? I would tax uh, this discussion. Of course, economists need to uh, um, massage it. I would tax the increase at 10%. Right. Bezos, Bezos gets to keep 90% of it. We all get to keep 90% of it. The increase we tax at 10%. But I would tax uh, a tax of 2%. And so uh, Bezos has he has uh, investments, he has property, percent tax on it every year. And, um, and so 98% of it would be untaxed. Essentially, uh, so if we just did, just changed our thinking, got rid of the income tax, and and come up with some sort of wealth tax, it might be more proportional than uh, what we're doing right now, and perhaps be simpler and have more equity. You know, you're so right. You know, um, I was a, the the um keynote speaker at the American Equity Union uh, a couple of days ago. And I was bringing up the concept about uh, how much money do you need and who really earned the wealth that people have. In other words, Jess Bezos is worth $189 billion, as you spoke about. But where did that really come from? Did Bezos really do the kind of effort and work to do that? And my contention was that it's an economic system that rewards a certain manipulation of capital that allows one to amass that amount of wealth. And what you are saying, your proposal that you wrote about was the perfect way to, uh, I call it the perfect um, middle ground, if you will. And you're always a kind of a, not necessarily a middle ground guy, but somebody that is more, that is very pragmatic uh, and understanding that big gradients create problems. And if we want changes, it have to be changes that are palatable before somebody in effect goes crazy. So as it turns out, uh, I was speaking to something about wealth and who really owns it. And I think if we, if we spoke about uh, the numbers as you speak about, and at the same time, we make the case, Americans have been indoctrinated. We've all been indoctrinated into believing that if I create a product I have the infinite ability to capitalize on that product. But you know what, uh, Tim, let's just use you and I as an example. Uh, right now, I have the, this uh, program, Politics Done Right. Suppose this, this program, some big corporation decided that they like this program. They wouldn't, but suppose they did and said they wanted to take it national. And I was uh, able to sign a huge contract, and every year I get several million dollars to do politics done right. 
and it would be great, right? And I would still be doing good and I will be awash in cash. But here's the magic. This would not have happened without the investment that Tim Danahy and all the other contributors to Politics Done Right that I've had over the years. So this great thing happened to Politics Done Right, this software, this um, media company. Who deserve, who deserve the spoils? Would it be only Egberto Willis? Absolutely not. But that is how our economic system works. And um, go ahead. Well, Elizabeth Warren made a point, which is valid, uh, and I will, I'm not quoting her exactly, but she said uh, indirectly to, to, to billionaires, she said, that, uh, we educated your workers, we provide the roads that come to your business, uh, we, we provide the defense of your assets, you know, uh, we, we, we regulate the safety of, of the power and utilities. You have fresh water coming to your uh, facilities. You have reliable sources of power. Um, we make sure that you are not scammed in the banking system. I'm elaborating on what she said. Right. But, but if you have a uh, uh, $100 billion, that takes a lot of protecting, you know, and it, it's not a, your own private police force is not going to do it. Um, so um, there needs to be some sort of give back. And I know that, um, say, Fox News, as an example, might say, well, they are the makers and the takers of the creators and the whatever it might be. Um, that's not really valid. You know that. Um, and, 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 Egberto, I think you and I agree, we would never want to crush the entrepreneurial spirit. I would never ever want not want somebody to be paid for an idea that people want i would never do that uh, but um sometimes people get so caught in their um activities and and pursuits of making money they forget who got them there and uh we should never forget that and so that's the reason, uh, you know, we should all contribute a little bit of taxes, you know, no matter how little or how much is made, we're all part of something wonderful. And I think uh, for someone like Bezos or Musk, or uh, in, in this case, it was Buffett uh, in, in the ProPublica article that was often cited, um, uh, a lot of people got them there. Yes, they had an idea, but a lot of people have toiled, a lot of people have purchased product. A lot of people have uh, supported their infrastructure. Why can't they support ours? You know, it's interesting because uh, for those people who really have ideas, Tim, uh, and, you know, I, I had a software company, I had a lot of ideas. And from that ideas came over 20 products. And in, in the early days, uh, when life was, you know, how, you know, at the time that I wasn't foolish enough to go ahead and do the, the kind of work I'm doing now, uh, the, the, the income from these businesses was greater. But there's one interesting thing that folks don't realize. Those people with great ideas and those who want to continue with great ideas, the thing that the thing that drives them is not is not the money that one can get from great ideas. It is the euphoria that comes from creating great ideas. And if you look at Bill Gates in the beginning, uh, Bill Gates very, very early on 
it was originally the idea. And then when he learned about capitalization, that is when that took over. When he said, no, all these things have worth. And then he became from the ideas guy to the movement guy. And all his ideas thereafter came elsewhere. Same with Bezos. Bezos had the idea of selling books. But after the capitalization thing hit him, it was uh, almost less ideas, building on the ideas of others as you capitalize. A lot of people don't don't quite understand that engineers, people that produce things, you have several companies yourself, people that produce things, there is a certain euphoria in doing these things that don't require you to say, I've got to turn this into, I got to capitalize everything. And if you doubt that, look at communist countries, look at every type of country there is. And I'm not a communist at all. But what I'm saying, look at every country that you can see out there. And individually, people innovate. I mean, uh, you know, they, they individually innovate. Now, capitalization of the innovation occurs best in America, but people innovate all around the world. Well, yeah, I believe David K. Uh, uh, wrote the, in one of his books um, about even Bill Gates and um, others who are early pioneers, perhaps Bezos was one of them, early pioneers in the software industry. Um, they all got help. Whether it was free computer time at a land grant university like University of Michigan, right. whether it be uh, wherever, you know, they got help. Bill Gates got help from his father. Everybody got a little bit of a boost uh, in the early days of software and computer development. We must not forget uh, what leads us to our success, what started us. And ultimately, I think that leads to more success. Um, to have to be able to sustain, encourage, share, and reward that energy leads to more energy. Yes. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy Bezos is making a lot of money, but he's doing it on the backs of a lot of distribution workers who are, um, who are broken. Yes. And the solution is not... Um, Zen rooms that show company videos, uh, booths that show company videos to give a person uh, a 30 second break. Um, There needs to be a better way of doing this. You and I both support capitalism, but capitalism to an excess uh, is as bad as communism to uh, 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 an excess. Um, it, no system is without its own seeds of destruction. And so um, the, the humanity uh, is lacking in, uh, com- in capitalism, but I might also uh, offer that um, sometimes we lose sight of the humanity in running a business too. That's the magic. I, 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 I think we're missing something. If, uh, oh, Henry Ford did this. You know, everybody says the... Um, uh, you know, he created the $5 a day wage and he's, they said, oh, that's fantastic. You know, and he's really going to pay his people. Well, the problem was he had created a work atmosphere that had gone from um, the uh, foreman apprentice structure where it was a team of people making cars and, and people were engaged. They were learning. They would learn about the drivetrain. They would learn about the finish, whatever. And it was an engaged team that was producing cars. But then he, he, 
uh, bought into this Frederick Taylor model, you know, of scientific production. Right. And so what, what happened is that everybody got segmented. Everybody had the same thing, same bolt turn, same torque, that kind of thing. And um, so he was losing people right and left. And he, so he said, I'm going to pay him $5 a day. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, that's how he retained people. But it became a soulless thing. And the irony of that is production still remained about a car a minute. And, uh, you know, production really didn't increase, but, um, but it, it's evident that capitalism had to buy its way out, but the quality of life was not sustained. Absolutely. So, well, Tim, um, the question I ask everybody at the end of an interview, and it goes as follows, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Um, I would like you to ask me why, why you're not national, Egberto. I mean, a quality man like you with, uh, that has an open forum that encourages uh, 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 diversity of thought. Uh, 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 you share these ideas. Um, uh, it's a disservice that you are not a national uh, uh, broadcaster. That would be the question that you should ask me. And, and what can I do to help you? Say, Tim, what can you do to help me become a national guy? I can tell you, I can extol your praises and uh, say, uh, if ever a man deserved it, it would be you. You are so kind. And let me just say one thing, grassroots, I am happy to keep moving one step at a time and growing slowly. Slow growth is a good thing. Uh, And with people like you and many others, uh, you know, we'll continue our slow growth to really start changing minds and really chart, start building minds. So look, Tim, I thank you so kindly for being on Politics Done Right. And you keep doing what you're doing because you, you, know, you keep sending me stuff like this because I tell you what, you're always, as usual, thought-provoking. You have a wonderful day and thank you for having been on Politics Done Right. It's an honor, Aguero. You too. We are honored to have a special person. This is, while this is going to be a, an interview with a Texas theme, this is actually something that you should learn a lot about. It covers how we as citizens should interact, should engage throughout the entire country. Because unless we stand up as citizens, nothing is going to change. I'm honored to be with Linda Curtis. Linda Curtis is a co-founder of LIV. And and by the way, you might want to know, what is LIV, the Independent League of Texas? And longtime political independent. She got to Texas, as the saying goes, as soon as I could in 1992. Linda has a 40-year history advocating for non-aligned independent voters. Linda is a ballot exit expert for new parties, independent candidates, and citizens' petitions in Texas. She is a leading LIV effort to, she's leading an LIV effort to bring together the tools to share with those doing citizens' petitions called homegrown petitions. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Linda, how are you doing today? I am good. I'm thrilled to be here. And thank you so much for letting me join your show. Well, look, first of all, I, I need to correct how I called your, 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 um, group it's a league of independent voters of texas and by the way do they have different versions of this throughout the country i imagine right yes and no okay there are liv for short is a non-profit 501c4 
advocacy organization. We're not a political party. So you see the word independent used in nonprofit with nonprofits that may sound exactly the same, but they're not. But they're doing maybe some similar work. And then there are parties that use the word independent. So it gets very confusing for independent for for anybody, really, not just voters. Well, look, first of all, um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is about how for all practical purposes, how crazy Texas has become in the way we write laws, in the way we handle our environment, et cetera, et cetera. I think you really wanted to talk about the big freeze, the big squeeze. So let's go ahead and get started there, because that is something that the entire country can have a taste of and actually can live vicariously through Texans' eyes. Yes. And Texas, uh, let's not forget, because we are a massive state, not just in terms of land mass, but we are a very populated state and we are hell bent to bring the world to Texas as quickly as possible which, by the way, is wreaking havoc on our energy and water issues, which is what I'm going to talk about. There's also the fact that we impact on the nation's, you know, our federal officials, our the presidency. Texas has huge impact. And it's time that we move Texas along into into the current century because we have people running the state at the state level who just don't understand that Texas is all over the place in terms of its politics. We are not a red state. We are plenty blue. And if you combine them all together and build big tent coalitions on the big issues, we are very purple. Now, I want I want to stress uh, that I want to sort of put some emphasis on that because there's a fallacy around that people tend to believe because we always have our statewide leaders red we have to remember in the ann richards day that it was really pretty much the opposite but we got caught up into a certain type of politics that brought us here and none for the better so why don't you continue uh where you're coming from okay yeah in uh it occurred to me back and after i had worked in the perot movement before that um with the progressive independent movement with lenora filani In uh, about 2000, when the Reform Party imploded and went away, great experiment. It occurred to me that our politics was at that time already going off the the rails when Rick Perry put forward the Trans-Texas Corridor. This was the big NAFTA highway to bring in non-unionized goods from Mexico up through Texas, up to Canada. uh, And... We all got together here in Texas from the far right to the far left and all points in between. Um, And and we busted the corridor. It took us about five years, but that's what we did. And in that work, I realized, hey, you know what? Sometimes there are issues that that just are too big for any political party, any one faction within or in, in a party to handle. So we uh, we developed the League of Independent Voters after that as a big tent coalition on the big ticket items like energy and water. I can get, go into the big freeze when you're ready, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, well let's go ahead and tell me what do you intend to, what, what are these big things that you want to accomplish? And you may want to start with uh, the fiasco that we had and how uh, your work would have impacted or should in the long run impact it. Yeah. I want to make sure that all of your 
uh, viewers know about BuzzFeed's dynamic release exposed two days ago. They exposed that the reports of the deaths from the February yes. storm Uri, we call it big, the big freeze here at LIV, was four to five times more than had been reported, approximately 700. And they go into copious detail because they did a real investigation of this. Why in, can I slightly curse the hell? Okay. Yes. Why in the hell the state of Texas didn't put together a commission to study this before they went They were they went smack dab into our legislative session, which happens every two years here for six months. That's how we do it in Texas. And they've put together this cobbled this cobbled together, highly technically complicated piece of legislation. Senate Bill three, which is about to come out of the sausage maker because the session ends on the 31st. And they are not likely to address some of the basics, like who walked off with $50 billion in profiteering in the middle of a disaster. They should be investigated. There's probably there should be illegality involved in these companies that walked off with all this money and put our entire affordability of our grid in uh, chaos. We're going to see this unfold. The Republican Party led by the governor, is trying to push this through the session. They should have had a special session solely dedicated to this. This impacts on every single person here. And let's not forget, millions of people are sitting there staring at the possibility of freezing to death. I live in the area that was most hard, um, that was hit most hard. I was deathly afraid. I went to a place, uh, somebody else's place who had a wood burning stove. To, to be secure. This is what we're dealing with here in Texas. We we should be and we are becoming, if not yet, the laughing stock of the nation where oil is king, but the king needs to be toppled and got uh, gotten under control starting in the governor's office. That is that is so important. And I, I don't want to reiterate something that you said, because it's important. We did no we, we did no analysis on the impact that the freeze had in Texas, which killed over 700 people, not the 100 or 200 that that's been stated before. That is an important thing. That is more than a hur- most hurricanes, major storms have eff- affected on uh, affected on Texas in a, in a very long time. So we, we have to make sure that people understand that. Secondly, we have to let it be known that the Texas legislature has done nothing to mitigate the problem to solve the problem of what what occurred in the first place. Thirdly, and this is where we may have some, uh, we may have to have organizations like you all get deeper into the economic system proper. Uh, while you may believe that somebody did something illegal for the, uh, uh, in the way they profited from the storm, the reality is we gave them license to do that. Yes. In other words, we as the people who have created this economy, the people who have written the regulations, we allowed what occurred, that $50 billion windfall, we allowed it. So uh, you can continue from there. But that these are we have to go deeper than simply, uh, you know, let's go after these guys after the fact, because they will continue to win because we wrote the laws that allow them to do that. 
Yes. And we should be hard on ourselves because we do have the power. You know, we've got 25 million people living here in Texas last time I checked, but we don't really have the organizational tools. So one of the things that we need, I believe, is a big tent coalition to bring people together who disagree on many, many things that understand that we can't survive without affordable energy and safe energy in Texas or anywhere. And we can't we can't live without water, which also got raised during the big freeze. I want to talk about that just a, a tad here, but understand that there we're not the only tool that's needed in the tool shed, the, you know, the big tent issue oriented advocacy group like LIV, for example. I believe we need a multi-party system so that the people who are are fighting within these parties right now have somewhere else to go. You know, when the party establishments in the Democratic and Republican parties uh, don't yield on certain issues, I believe the big tent issues, uh, there needs to be another place for I, I, I believe strongly progressive Democrats. You know, you can keep working inside the Democratic Party, but what about a progressive party that's in place in Texas to go to, to allow people to advocate and push from the outside, not just the inside? So if you want to comment on that, I'll, I'll, I'll take a breath. Or otherwise, I want to talk about water. Yeah, I want to comment on that, first of all. And I, I think uh, having... Uh, there, there, there are many progressive Republicans, you don't hear about them much because uh, they are not allowed to be, that having that trans, that, tra- that platform uh, where they can u- that they can use. And I think organizations like yours or organizations with your tenants is a good place to really prime them. In other words, bring them into the fold before they're able to make that leap into uh, into what they know they need to do and, and extricate themselves from the ills of their party. Yeah, I think uh, I want to mention the uh, break the this book by Lee Drutman, who's a Democrat, uh, and a political scientist of great um, uh, intellect. It's called Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop. And uh, people across the country who are thinking about independent politics are reading this and and really uh, this is getting around town. It was published in December 2019. And he basically talks about how the Republicans and Democrats have become fully sorted, right? So you don't have that overlap There is is moderation, so-called. That's a whole discussion. I'm not sure I agree with everything that uh, Dretman lays out, but I think he's he's way smarter than I am. Anyway, the bottom line is when you have them fully sorted. And one of them has gone off the rails, the GOP, let's face it. They have gone off the rails. I want to stop you right there, because I believe what you just said. They're off the rails. Why are so many rank and file? Republicans going off the rail with them? Because it's all about no other place to go. And, you know, they're always focused on the next election. And if they're officials, that's that's the reality. I think this is going to change real soon, sooner than than you might even uh, believe. But I'm going to leave that for the news, hopefully real soon. But I do want to say that uh, in terms of what what's happened to the GOP, uh, Abbott is going to be opposed by a right, a, a hard right 
former state senator Don Huffines, who has a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. He's a big real estate guy. I don't see progressive Republicans having or centrist Republicans having a place in the GOP. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. But this is this is already splitting, you know, inside the parties. And I think this is going to continue. So what do we do as citizens? We I believe we need to be pushing for more competitive elections. And Drutman makes the case that if you want stability in your political system and you want coalitions to work things out in a more um, in a way that gets us. Quote, that supports a majority of the, the populace. Right. I, I hate to use the word centrism because I think it's been it's become it's a not, don't use problem. it. Please don't. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't want it. So on the big freeze. I mean, on the big squeeze, this is the water issue that that LIV really actually uh, was one of our founding issues back in 2013. I live in an area between Houston and Austin, Texas. It's a little place called Bastrop, Texas. Of course, I know it well. I I ride the bike out there. Oh, good. Uh, We love our pine trees. And let me tell you, uh, growth is coming here, being pushed out from Austin Mm -hmm. because Austin uh, back in 2000 for a long time. But it really went off the rails in Austin when the real estate lobby took control of the council to to press uh, uh, pedal to metal on getting people to move to Austin as quickly as possible from around the country. Because isn't it great? Well, it's not great if your infrastructure can't keep up, which right. we can't. And who pays? Right? Who's paying right. for that infrastructure? And Texas has terrible laws that allow for offloading of those costs onto the Us. current residents to pay for the people who are not here yet. Right. So what we have now is water, groundwater underneath us being moved to the I-35 corridor to fuel growth and to subsidize growth. And let me tell you, when you create a disaster on an aquifer, it ain't fixable. Not like the grid. Well, we know what has been happening to the Edwards aquifer right there under Austin, and now they're wanting to go across the mountain to the next. They're, they're, They're taking from an aquifer out here that does not recharge worth, you know, in any anybody's lifetime. Right. Edwards is at risk because we're piping this water down through the Vista Ridge project to the San Antonio area so developers can make San Antonio ratepayers pay for development in the hill country. Right. With this Vista Ridge water is totally insane. And it's so unfair. What really pisses me off is that San Antonio is the poorest municipality metro area in the United States. A lot of yes. people don't know this. Yeah. And they they are they were deemed the most economically segregated metro area in the United States about two years ago. As big as they are. And the and the Democratic officials that run pr- pretty much the city of San Antonio, they're they're t- very tight with the developer machine. You know, they that that whole thing needs to be busted. One party rule in these big municipalities. And some of them have become very problematic from the standpoint. I, I think there, when you when when we spoke or, or when when we communicated by email, that is something important that you said, and I I, I want to let people understand this. First of all, uh, progressive is one thing; Democrat or Republican is something else. 
And what you've actually shown is that um, if you take a look at the big municipalities here in Texas, they are in fact controlled by Democrats. And many a times uh, they do some of the same bad things for their own people when it comes to water, when it comes to uh, what areas of town get the bad industry, et cetera. So uh, point taken, I think you should expand on that. Well, you know, anytime a municipality tries to stand up for itself for in the right way, and it happens on a regular basis, like the Denton frack ban measure they passed the, uh, maybe we, four or five years ago. We decided to go from local rule to state rule, even though the party claimed they believed in local <laughs> rule. Exactly. This, this, Denton is very Republican. Yes, I and, know. And right. They say, listen, we, we would prefer not to have a frack facility 200 feet from my back door. So they, the city uh, got together and put together a reasonable setback rule. They passed it via the citizens measure, which we have the right to do here in Texas in all mm-hmm. rural cities, cities of over 5000 population with city charter. And the legislature couldn't wait to pass a bill to take to to overturn the frack ban and say no municipality can do these these setbacks. They couldn't even wait for a court case if it was if it was unconstitutional, which the oil and gas lobby claimed they couldn't wait for a court case, which is where measures that get passed get dealt with if it's there's really a problem. So the whole thing is very sickening to me. Uh, and there's no way to bust this without a broader movement where we we get people the tools that they need to challenge these things outside the big party organizations. That's all I can figure anyway. Well, actually, that is that is important because, as you said, Denton was a Republican area who passed laws against the oil industry and the Republican state uh, government decided to override them. And here in Houston, we have Lena Hidalgo, who who found a way Lena Hidalgo and her and other uh, other good progressive Democrats in this area. They found a way to make voting more accessible. And the state now in HB, I think HB six is trying to clamp down. On that, so what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. And throughout the country, this is a reality. In all these bills that are being passed against voting and other issues, we have to start realizing that a lot of times it's not just only Republicans doing the wrong thing, but but others acquiescing for, on a power grab. Yeah, and it's really it's really the lobbies. You know, the lobbies yes. run the show. The, the the reality is don't. Though I'm very critical of the governor at this point, uh, it's really he's he's towing the line for the oil and gas lobby, which is way bigger than Greg Abbott. Right. You know, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Mother Nature rules. These guys don't get this. Well, they, I mean, they, they get <laughs> look, what they get is this. They get that they can get wealthy before. Uh, the you know what hits the fan, and by the time that stuff hit the fan, they're old, wealthy, and gone. But look, we're coming uh, within twenty minutes of this stuff, and I want to tell you something. You said in the note that you sent to me, this is important because I think this is a this is a core of what I wanted to get out of you, and actually why I really wanted to talk to you. you said stifling independent voters instead of embracing us, working with us, and yes, disagreeing with us in order to build consensus is critically important. Leading. Uh, leading up to 2022 election and for small D democracy. You sent me a long 
piece of that when you when we spoke about this interview, that is the core of everything that you have said. So what I'd like you to do is speak on that, speak on why we all need to get together and how do we make sure we have a progressive 2022 that will do good for every Texan, every U.S. citizen. This is where the I worked in the Perot movement back in. um uh, from 93 or 4 to 2000 and uh, worked with the so-called militant moderates that were backing Perot and some of the right uh, wing people who came into the party. There was Jesse Ventura. It was a wild scene. But one of the things I, I really um, and we had many disagreements that we never worked out, which is why the party, I think, went away. But one of the things that we did uh, talk a lot about and I think is really operative today Back then, that was a long time ago, we realized that this, the left-center-right paradigm is becoming, had started to kind of come unglued, and that the dynamic in American politics was becoming more and more the top versus down. The few people at the top, you know, we see way more of this, way more of this now with income inequality, and the rest of us at the, the bottom and to the extent that the parties keep us divided and not looking at the the economic imperatives of a changing political dynamic, we will be left by the wayside. These are very challenging times brought on by you know, the convergence of Mother Nature, I believe, climate change, if you want to call it climate change and changing economics that no one really truly understands. We've got to figure out how to roll with the punches. And the only thing that I know how to do in rolling with the punches is building cross-partisan coalitions where people are talking to each other, not yelling at each other, though we might on occasion, but we're, we're coming from the vantage point that we have to solve problems. The parties, including the Democrats, really are stuck in a time warp defining progressive as in certain ways that just don't get you that cross-partisanship that you need to have real dialogue and problem solving. That said, there has to be a difference between that and splitting the baby, you know, which goes on in compromise where you, you get nothing really because it's it's it just turns to the crap. I don't know if I'm making sense, but these are the things that we talk about every day. How do we do this in, in that changing environment, both uh, geof geophysically and in, in terms of politics and in terms of economics? And who's driving the train here? Mother Nature and economics, probably not us. Well, Linda, first of all, before we end. Uh, no, you made a hell of a lot of sense, first of all. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, because as progressive as I am, the most important statement you've just made is that we all have to come together. We're not going to agree on all things, but we have to talk to each other. And it's not about compromising. It's about getting what's best for us all. I wrote a book called, uh, as I see it, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, because I do realize that we must have a dialogue. And uh, we also have to come to the conclusion that most people are good. A lot of what we think comes from externalities, it's the puppeteers that are running us. If we can get together and say what we want, 
we can mitigate that. And that is what I'm all for. Look, Linda Curtis, uh, thank you so kindly. Uh, board member of League of Independent Voters of Texas and founder, co-founder. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. This is great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Please call 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org and support us. You can support us with a $25 membership, a $40 membership, or you can get any one of our gifts that you find there. Please do this in the name of Politics Done Right. Also, remember that you can get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. Pledge of $120. You can get any two of those books for $200. Any three of those books for $250. That is in, That is to support our station. And all those books, I promise you, give you all that you need to have that conversation across the board to ensure, to help us make a better America. So please support us. Please support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Call 713-526-5738 or visit kpft.org. Folks, we are at the end of the program. I hope you enjoyed what we had to offer. We will continue to give you fresh data, fresh programming every single week from Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. <laughs> <laughs>